When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Premier Fantasy Football Podcast, powered by Pro Football Network. I'm your co-host for today, Tommy Garrett. You can find myself over at Tommy Garrett PFN on Twitter. Joined today by my co-host, your fantasy analyst for Pro Football Network, Jason Katz. You can find him over at Jason Katz13 uh, over on Twitter. Jason, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. We are in mid-June now. Um, I don't know how. I, like, I, I don't I, get it. We did this last time, uh, but I know I we say it every time. We're recording this a little before Father's Day, so I just want to say happy Father's Day out there to all the dads. Yeah, shout out to all the dads. All right, so what we're going to do with today's episode, we've kind of gone through a little bit of the dynasty work that is out there. We're kind of now diving back into the redraft world as everyone is starting to begin their mock draft process, kind of put together their rankings and things like that. To me, this is one of my favorite times of the year. I love drafting, so when I get into mock drafts and into redraft mode, like I'm still very much a redraft over dynasty person. I know a lot of people say if you don't play Dynasty, you're not playing real face football. Stop it. Stop being an elitist on that. Stop gatekeeping it. I love redrafts. It'll always be my, my one true love. And we're going to start with a quarterback that kind of drives the NFL. That's the quarterback position. What we'll do today is we're going to break down our individual rankings, and we're going to go through the first 12 at the quarterback position, and then we'll transition later on in our next episode. We'll kind of start talking about the running backs and wide receivers. We'll break those ones down into two episodes each per position group. Just because, quite frankly, there's a ton of guys we want to talk about, and I don't think anyone wants to sit around for a two-hour-long podcast while we just sit here and talk about those individual positions. And we'll do the same thing with tight ends, kind of treat them the same thing we're doing quarterbacks. Tight end is deep, but as we know, like it's there's only very few top-tier ones. So we'll kind of go through the top 12 in that position as well, and then it'll kind of move us into the you know the dog days of summer where we kind of really start getting into some of the minutiae and some of the finer details. But we'll start off with the quarterback position here, like we said today. And for me and you, this is our consensus, number one. We both have this guy ranked number one. And quite frankly, it seems like the majority of fantasy analysts do as well. And that's going to be Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. I don't think this is like, obviously, this is no hot take or anything like that. He's the first quarterback ever to come back uh, from back-to-back 400-point seasons um, and became only the third quarterback last year to cross that since 2014. He, the guy is just good at football. Like the 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 resurgence that he had coming from his first two years into what we've kind of seen over these last two, it's just a testament to a team willing to wait and be patient and give a quarterback who was young the chance to develop. And all of a sudden, you end up with an absolute superstar on a team that is favored to win the Super Bowl. It's it's hard for me to look anywhere else outside of Josh Allen. I love him. My issue is I'm probably not going to have too much of him because I know he's going to go very early in drafts. And there's some names we'll kind of get to here in a little bit that I don't mean you both love. Anything for you that particularly you want to talk about with Josh Allen or just like, yeah, he's hashtag good at football? Nah, just good at football. Super athlete. I was so down on him coming out of college. But you know what? You change your opinions when you have new information. And Josh Allen made a believer out of me over the second half of that 2019 season. 2020 had the had the monster year, finished QB1. Uh, then did it again in 2021. So back-to-back QB1 finishes. He's the best quarterback in fantasy. And he also gives you a little bit of extra on the ground uh, every week, adding roughly four fantasy points per game via rushing. So that that just get, keeps his floor high, and we know his ceiling is sky high. 
he should be the first quarterback off the draft off the board in just about every fantasy draft. Yeah, and there was the talk this offseason uh, coming from the team that, hey, they don't want him rushing quite as much. But at the same time, they've came out there and very well, very well discussed, like, we can't take away Josh Allen's, like, elite ability on the ground. Like, he's too big. He's too good. It's something like, as much as we don't want to see our quarterback go out there and take too many unnecessary risks, I'm not telling Josh Allen you need to go play like Tom Brady and be a statue in the pocket. He's, You know you have the capability for 800 yards on the ground last year, 763 uh, with six touchdowns and 122 attempts. I think he's going to be clear that a 100 rushing mark um, on the season in terms of carries. I don't see a much of a drop-off coming at all. Like I said, it's he's too good, and you're not going to take the ball out of his hands. Um, you've invested way too much in Josh Allen at this point. Speaking of another quarterback who kind of changed people's opinions coming out of college, and right now he is just lighting the league up, came in number two uh, for myself. I know he was a little bit lower for you, but consensus-wise kind of came out number two. And that's Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. You want to talk about a guy like completely changed my mind based on how he was at Oregon. The the Justin Herbert we see not right now was not the one that we were watching when he was with the Ducks. Uh, last season, coming off of a rookie of the year uh, performance in, in 2000, and a, one of the crazy scenes we've seen yet with COVID and everything else, like not getting a full chance. Then he gets this opportunity because a golfer shoved a golf tee inside of the starting quarterback's lungs. All of a sudden, Justin Herbert was able to kind of ascend to become the star that he is right now. Last season, passing over for just over 5,000 passing yards with 38 touchdowns. Herbert's QB2 performance, I don't think it was a fluke. He finished just five points away from that exclusive 4,000-point uh, club. And last season, only Josh Allen and Tom Brady had more QB1 performances than Justin Herbert. And although he tied Brady with 300-yard passing games last year with nine, Justin Herbert raised his percentage to averaging a 300-yard game in 53% of his game so far in his career. He comes into this season with Keenan Allen, with Mike Williams. That's going to be one hell of a battle. I can't wait to watch New Action becomes the number one on this team. You've got tons of talent around this offense. Austin Eckler is still the, I don't want to say like the prototype, but he is, when you think of a PPR-style running back, that is Austin Eckler. You bring in also uh, Isaiah Spiller in this offense to be that number two behind him. You're hoping for another uh, breakthrough for Jalen Guyton or Josh Palmer to kind of be that number three option on this team. I am all in on Justin Herbert. I know for you, he came in actually at number three. Uh, I mean, I, out of, I think I feel like we're pretty close here, though, between like the number two and three guys. I don't think I think we're pretty much just like splitting here. Correct. You won't see me say or hear me say a single bad thing about Justin Herbert. I absolutely love him. I wanted him last year. Uh, he is the perfect new age quarterback that is a blend of pocket passing and just enough mobility. The modern NFL quarterback cannot be a statue anymore. He doesn't need to be Lamar Jackson. He just needs to be mobile enough to, to, to run around when needed. A tactical scrambler, if you will. And that is Justin Herbert. But man, this guy from the pocket is incredible. He is one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL, mm -hmm. which is great to have a guy like Mike Williams on the team who can go up and get it downfield. And the Chargers... They improved their offensive line. Like you said, they brought back Mike Williams, and they had the third highest neutral game script pass rate last year. This is a this is a pass-first offense. And, I mean, Herbert, the, the sky's the limit for him. He certainly has overall QB1 upside. I think he absolutely does, too. I would not be surprised if he was a QB1. Okay, maybe a little bit if Josh Allen wasn't, but at the same time, like, Justin Herbert is absolutely incredible. Um, I'm glad you kind of brought up the the uh, offensive line because that is one of the biggest upgrades on this entire team. Rashawn Slater, Zion Johnson, Corey Lindsley, Matt Flyer. You've got Storm Norton, a right tackle, which is a little bit of a question mark. But from top to bottom, this team is incredible. 
they bring in the end of the season. They pair Khalil Mack to play alongside Joey Bose because why not at that point? And hey, let's top things off. Let's bring in the number one cornerback of this free agency class in J.C. Jackson, play alongside him with Asante Samuel and in the secondary with Nasir Adderley and Derwin James. So to me, this is just a Chargers team that is set to take off. I would not be surprised if they were the winner of the highly competitive AFC West. Uh, when I did one of my early season parlays, when the uh, the odds came announced, they were actually my pick to come out of this division. We'll see if that happens or not, but it gave me a good odds boost on what was a, probably a dumb bet. We're looking back on it. Um, but I'm glad you did bring up the name Lamar Jackson because this was the quarter, the quarterback you had at the number two spot. He was number three for me. Um, tell me, why do you have uh, why did you have Lamar Jackson over Justin Herbert? Although, like I said, we are absolutely splitting hairs here. Yeah, I, I just I love Lamar Jackson this year. I think that he's he just gets unfairly criticized for his ability and is viewed as like this guy who he just runs. No, he, he can throw also. I mean, this is somebody who despite having a perceived down year, still averaged 21.1 fantasy points per game last season. He is just two years removed from 28.2 fantasy points per game, the overall QB1 that season. The Ravens last season, they lost their top three running backs. Their offensive line was decimated. Their defense was decimated, which forced them to play behind, which resulted in Lamar Jackson having a career-high 31.8 pass attempts per game. Now, it's normally, such an outlier season. Exactly, exactly. Normally, we love our quarterbacks passing, but not Lamar Jackson because rushing gives us more fantasy points than passing. And the Ravens want to be a running team. They still had the sixth highest neutral game script run rate last year. They're going to return to their passing ways. I think Lamar is going to be back in that 26 to 28 pass attempts per game type of uh, type of volume. And I'm not really concerned about the lack of receivers behind Rashad Bateman. Uh, still has Mark Andrews. This is a this is a quarterback that we saw in 2019 capable of producing as one of the best quarterbacks in fantasy of all time, purely based on his rushing ability. I think we're going to see it again this year. And I'm not going to say he's the overall QB one because that is Josh Allen. But once again, another guy would not be surprised if he got back to the uh, to the mantle up top. Up top. I think it's pretty cool. I think there's there's four guys who have QB one potential, like overall QB one potential. Um, I think Jackson is absolutely one of those. I agree with you. Last year was a bit of an outlier. When you don't, when you're using Devonte Freeman as your number one running back, I'm probably going to use my former MVP at quarterback a little bit more often. And even when it wasn't him, when it was Tyler Huntley, they did the same thing, and he filled in admirably and kind of kept the exact same style of play, which is why I think Baltimore was so reluctant to want to lose him in the offseason. Why they made sure to bring him back just in case something does happen. Um, like I said, last season, second in expected fantasy points per game. You hit on how many he had actually had. From 2019 to 2020, Jackson only had 37 or more passing attempts in just four games. Last year, he had five. Like, that's that's the outlier here. Like, it's the passing volume is absolutely going to change. But the efficiency is always going to be there with Lamar Jackson. He might not be putting up a ton of points, but efficiency-wise, he's going to be there. Go back to 2020, let all quarterbacks in fantasy points per drop back. Even last year, he was eighth uh, amongst quarterbacks with at least 70 dropbacks. Fun fact, number one in uh, fantasy points per dropback was Trey Lance at uh, 0.89 fantasy points per dropback instead of Lamar Jackson at 0.6. So, like I said, we, we talked about Trey Lance in the buy low episode. We all know how how high, I should say, we are on Trey Lance. Uh, so if he can kind of show up, then I don't think anybody would be surprised here. Now, like I said, we had a you had Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen as your top three. I had Jackson at number four, 
But for me, that's just because I have Patrick Mahomes as my QB three. You have met QB four. Like for me, this represents the tier one of quarterbacks. You're Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, um, and Lamar Jackson. I uh, do you agree with that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's never averaged under 20 fantasy points per game in his career. So we're talking about, uh, even even without Tyreek Hill, uh, this is a quarterback that has one of the highest floors in all of fantasy. And as he's proven already, his ceiling is as high as anyone. And that's kind of where we're at with these top four quarterbacks is I don't see a world where any of these guys really finish beyond like maybe QB6, QB7 at worst. And their ceiling is like like barring injury or whatever, you know what I mean? Right. And their ceiling is all overall QB1. Yeah, barring some apocalyptic event or some another global pandemic, you know, so I never thought we'd ever see before. Yeah, these guys all have that that upside of being. They're going to finish at least in the top six. They're going to be fighting each other out for the the overall spot. The question for me, the only reason I had Patrick Mahomes just below Herbert and Allen, where those teams got better, the Chiefs, I felt kind of say neutral, but the offense got a little bit less explosive. Like, you can't replace Tyreek Hill. I'm sorry. Like, it's one of those things. I think volume-wise, they're able to redistribute his targets, obviously. Bring in Sky Moore, one of everyone's favorite quote-unquote sleepers, despite everyone talking about him out of Western Michigan. You bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, who was at one point everyone believed back in 2018 he was going to be the next breakout wide receiver and be a star in the NFL. And then you bring in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who has always been the deep threat, but for some reason is running apparently really crisp routes. So unless he's completely revamped his game, going from Green Bay to Kansas City, we'll have to see about that one. But like I said, it's it's not a team I fear quite as much, but as long as you have Patrick Holmes under center, you know they always have a chance to succeed. You know, Since 2018, in the 62 career games, Mahomes has finished as the QB1 in 69% uh, percent of his games, which is very nice, and inside the top 24, and 98% while averaging 26.7 PPR points per game. That's just stupid, but it goes further than that. In those 62 games, Mahomes has 45 finishes inside the top 12. That's 72.5% of the time he is a QB1. And inside the top 18, uh, only just four times he had missed outside of that. So if you remove the games in which Mahomes didn't finish due to an injury or because it was like the end of the season, his rolling four-year average is the QB 7.9. Josh Allen is the only quarterback in the same realm as Patrick Mahomes in terms of consistency. But Mahomes has done it for twice as long. We'll see what happens this year. I'm still in absolutely on this team. I think the defense did end up improving despite losing Tyron Matthew and Tredavious Ward out to San Francisco. I think they had a very good draft. And I think they can kind of reestablish where they are in the pecking order. They're still the team to beat. And if you want to win the AFC West, you got to beat the bully on the playground. And that is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Lamar, Patrick Mahomes is going to be fantastic. He's going to be fantastic for fantasy football. I'm not going to overthink it too much. And if anything, this might be the cheapest he has been in quite some time. Like I so said, that kind of represents the, the top tier that we have. Moving on to like our second tier, I think we both have the same quarterback right here for this one. Or we actually, no, I'm sorry, we are just different. We actually have these next quarterbacks flipped. QB5 and QB6 for me, I go Kyler Murray and then Jalen Hurts. For you, you have it as Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. But I think, like I said, kind of going back to earlier, we are very much splitting hairs here. Consensus wise, it kind of seems like most people are taking Kyler Murray over top of Jalen Hurts. And I get it. Kyler Murray, when he's on the field, absolutely fantastic. Um, you go after he had a QB seven finish after as a rookie and then comes back with his QB two, QB ten last season, playing in 14 games, completed another nice round number of 69% of his passes for uh, just under 3,300 yards with 24 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. 
You know, additionally, he added three hundred, uh, sorry, four hundred twenty-three yards, which is the fourth most, along with five scores on eighty-eight rushes. Amongst quarterbacks to start at least six games, Kyler Murray's thirty point two yards per game was the fourth most. Amongst his peers, this was fantastic. However, there was a substantial decrease from the previous two years. As a rookie, Murray finished with 90, uh, 93 rushes for 544 yards. But in 2020, that was 300, 133 for 198 and 11. His passing numbers have all been within. Did you say that again? Siri, you idiot. Sorry if you guys heard my watch right there. I hate Siri. <laughs> Stupid AI. Um, but Murray finished within 100 yards over his last three years. So the ceiling comes from his legs. But that's kind of been one of the issues is making sure Kyler Murray is healthy towards the back half of the year. You back in year two, suffered an AC AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder and a pulled hamstring. As a rookie, he had a strained hip. That's shown up in the back half of the season where he tends not to produce quite as much. In weeks one through eight, that's 23 games, Kyler averages about 35 uh, attempts per game, about 265 yards, 2.17 total touchdowns, and 25 points per game. From weeks nine through the end of the season, which is that same 23 games, it's 33 attempts, 233 yards, 1.78 attempts, and just 22.2 phase points per game. On a full season pace between the first half and the second half of the season, that's nearly 600 yards, seven scores, and the difference from three, uh, 431 fancy points to 378 fancy points. I love Kyler Murray if he can stay healthy. That's my biggest caveat to this. I like Jalen Hurts' upside, and I think he's going to be a better value. But the upside of Kyler Murray with this offense, once again, DeAndre Hopkins back. You also bring in Marquise Brown. They got from the Baltimore Ravens. Zach Ertz was re-signed. I think there's a, everything working towards Kyler Murray, especially the pace of play of this team. But I think like with these two guys between Hurts and Kyler Murray, you're going to be splitting hairs. But I think for both of us, we're probably going to end up with Jalen Hurts on more of our teams throughout this entire based off his value. Is that correct? I was one of the biggest Kyler Murray guys in his rookie season. And I was so excited when his second year, when he broke out and had this incredible season, averaged 24.4 fantasy points per game, finishes the QB three. And then last year, if you look at his total numbers, it's fine. 22.2 fantasy points per game. That's great. I would sign for that right now. But the problem is Kyler Murray. He was the QB one last year though. Because he was coming off that second season, everyone had him valued. Like, this is the year where someone's finally going to replace Patrick Mahomes. So they were spending QB1 value on Kyler Murray. I don't want to walk away saying it's fine. You know what? You're 100% right. And the, that, that's the reason why I got a sour taste in my mouth. It's exactly what you said. You know what? I'm, it's not fine because I had Kyler Murray last year, and it wasn't fine. It wasn't fine because I remember trading for him around, like, weeks four or five after he had the scorching start. And, I mean, silly me but trying to buy a player high. I don't know why I did that. I'll never do it again. Kyler Murray has been like the quarterback version of Mike Williams, or what Mike Williams has been. You'll get a few mega spike weeks and then a whole lot of nothing. 32.4% of his fantasy points for the entire season last year came in weeks 1, 2, and 13. In his other 11 starts, he gave you 19 fantasy points per game. You know who else gave you 19 fantasy points per game? Kirk Cousins. I'm not paying fourth round value to get Kirk Cousins for 11 out of 14 weeks. No, thank you. Now, with all that said, I'm not like out on Kyler Murray. God, no. I just, he's, I feel like uh, he's just a little bit overvalued given, given where he's going. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Kyler, it's always, it's always going to be the upside. We're going to say that every single year. If you keep him healthy, he's sensational. 
You know, Kyler Murray has averaged 23.7 fantasy points per game over his career with 57% of those games finishing inside the top 12. Since 2020, it's actually 25.5 PPR points per game and 63% of his games as a QB1 with 90% as a QB2 or higher. So he is legit. But if he's finishing as like the QB12 or lower, you don't really as happy as you would be. I think Kyler Murray has absolutely the, the chance to finish on the podium inside the top three for quarterbacks. But you need that rushing upside. He can't have that drop-off that he had last year. I'm not saying he needs to get 800 yards again, but if Kyler throws for under 4,000 yards and 27 touchdowns for the fourth straight season, Kyler Murray could disappoint for those who take him too early. So for me, I find myself gravitating more towards someone like Jalen Hurts. That's the guy who, like, we've talked about him several times as a a buy-low candidate. I love Jalen Hurts. I know you do as well. Finished as the QB6 last year, 21.4 perks per game. Like, Jalen Hurts is arguably the second-best rusher in the NFL behind Lamar Jackson. Uh, He just brings all of the upside you want. And last season, he was one of the most consistent quarterbacks in the NFL as well. For, like, the first 12 weeks, he was the quarterback with the most amount of top uh, of QB one upsides of quarterback one top 12 finishes last season only one quarterback finished with more fancy points per game than Jalen Hurts did last year before he injured his ankle and that was Josh Allen also last year only two quarterbacks finished with more than 700 yards rushing while passing more than 3,000 yards that was Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen obviously these are two completely different ceilings and skill sets but you're looking at offense that upgraded the offensive line. Be one of the better O-lines in the NFL. They upgraded the defensive well, traded up to get Jordan Davis, the behemoth in the middle to be the next Fletcher Cox of this team. But the biggest move they made this entire offseason was a draft night trade for A.J. Brown to pair him up alongside Devonta Smith and finally have a competent number one, number two on the pecking order on this team. You bring in Jalen, uh, you have Dallas Goddard on this team as well, being that number one tight end. I love where the Eagles have gone. Yes, all of their success really came with the script kind of got flipped. They were the number one rushing team from week eight and on, rushing um, running the ball in about 61% of their plays, which was by far the highest of anyone else. But to me, that was Nick Sirianni, and I believe we discussed this in the last episode, kind of changing his game script to fit his roster. He's not going to do that this year. I can see this being one of the more... I'm not going to say pass-happy teams, but I think they'll kind of come back to the mean and kind of get back to league average. And so if you've got Jalen Hurts on your team, you can't help but be excited for the potential prospects of that. I, yeah, I, I love Jalen Hurts. I won't belabor the point too much because we've talked about him at length over the past couple episodes. Uh, but you, you alluded to it before. Jalen Hurts finished as a QB1 in 12 out of 15 starts. I think that was the highest mm-hmm. rate in the league last year. He has one of the highest floors and his weekly ceiling, I think, only got, only got higher this year with the addition of A.J. Brown. So I think that is a good uh, point to... Uh, to end on and lead us into our next guy, uh, number seven, which we both have the oldest we quarterback do. in the NFL, and that is Tom Brady, who finished as the QB three last season at the ripe young age of forty-four. It's all that and avocado the, shakes. Yeah, the PB twelve method. The thing with Brady, though, and and why it, it's tough to rank him any higher, despite where he finished and why we have him at seven and not around three or four, is that one hundred percent of his production it comes from passing. There is no rushing upside with Tom Brady. He led the NFL in passing yards last year with over 5,300. And he's going to need to maintain throwing around 40 touchdowns to be an elite QB1. No Chris Godwin to start the season. Antonio mm-hmm. Brown is gone. 70% of the Bucks' touchdowns last season came from passing. The NFL average is typically around 60 to 65%. I understand that with Tom Brady, they could continue to buck that trend and be more pass-heavy. I would almost expect it. 
But if Brady were to lose even four to five touchdowns, we're talking about a mid QB one, which is right where we have him ranked. What do you think? Yep, I think this is fair. I think the thing with Tom Brady is like we both have him right here as this QB seven ranking. This kind of seems to be a little bit more of the consensus. It's right outside those elite one, those elite players. And then the two running back, the two quarterbacks, I should say, that have the most rushing upside with Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. And that's where Brady comes in. I will be completely honest. He's been one of the more difficult players of this entire list for me to nail down. I can put him here at seven, but at the same time, I could put him at 11 and make a case either way. For me, a lot of this has to do with the offense. We know this is probably going to be this Tampa Bay was the team that threw the ball the most last season. Look, we had 100, 719 attempts finished with the most passing yards at 5,300 yards, second most touchdowns at 43. You kind of covered some of this right here. But I think the pace is one of the biggest things of what this kind of allowed Tampa Bay to do because no one could run run the ball on them. They were able to kind of control the clock on their own and on the offensive side of things. They were number one in pace of play at 26.5 seconds per snap uh, and passing percentage at 66%. In neutral game scripts, they actually went up to 67% of this time. They were actually throwing the ball. They're trusting their quarterback, which you would do when you have the greatest of all time wearing a uniform. I'd probably do the same thing. The question for me on this offense is what's the impact going to be without Chris Godwin? What's he going to look like when he comes back? We also have to figure out, too, what's going to happen with Rob Gronkowski? Because right now, Gronk has not shown up yet, not made any, any discussion or any decision whether or not he's going to come back to the Buccaneers. If he does, that's going to be a massive boost to Tom Brady in the red zone. But I could easily, if things don't work out, and I think as things go, Tom Brady is not going to move higher in my rankings. Tom Brady has a chance to move down my rankings. I think that's the best way to put it for him. Um, And the guy I could see literally going over top of him next would be Joe Burrow, the guy who's literally coming off of a Super Bowl appearance, played in all 17 regular season games, finished number one in completion percentage, number six in yards, threw for 34 touchdowns, number three in yards per game at 288, and number one in adjusted air yards at 8.9 yards per attempt. The guy has it all. He's got an incredible team that just completely redid the offensive line, which is what we have been screaming for since he was hurt back in, I think it was week 11 uh, of his rookie season. And then last year comes out and just completely balls out. You've got Jamar Chase, who a lot of people are drafting as the number two wide receiver just behind Cooper Cup. Um, then you've got T. Higgins, who's a guy I mean you would both absolutely love. To me, T. Higgins, he's a he's top 12. I'll put him inside the wide receiver one. I'm not going to say like where in there, but he's a top 12 wide receiver. Tyler Boyd is so criminally underrated on this offense. You've got Joe Mixon on here. Like I said, between the way this offense looks, I love what Joe Burrow did. I don't know if he necessarily dead on repeats what he did, especially in terms of his efficiency on his deeper targets. But for me, the sky's the limit. I think it's a team that can absolutely do a lot of damage. I don't think last year was a fluke. And if I'm looking at weapons and talent, I think Joe Burrow navigates the pocket just as well as Tom Brady. I think they're the two best in terms of manipulating the pocket. But Joe Burrow, for me, has the better weapons. Tom Brady gets a better defense and the slightly softer schedule. So I can I can make a case both ways. But I think in terms of total upside, I can easily see Joe Burrow vaulting over top of Tom Brady by the time that we're drafting come August. There's an interesting split when it comes to our top 12. The top six are like the elite quarterbacks, and they all have this rushing upside. And then once you get to Brady at seven, these next six guys, for the most part, don't run. They either don't run, or they're quarterbacks who used to run but don't really run anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have here with we have with Brady and what we have here with Burrow. Uh, I, I'm a little bit opposite of you on Burrow because I have some concerns. Okay, uh, He was the QB 10 last season at 20.5 fantasy points per game. 
the Bengals ran the fourth fewest plays per game. Now, and they also played uh, at, a, at the fifth slowest pace in the NFL. I think there's one of two ways you can look at this. You can say, hey, they played this slowly, and Burrow was, a, was already a QB1, and they'll probably play faster this season. At the same time, you could say, well, Burrow was insanely efficient last year. He led the NFL in yards per attempt at 8.9, and he was the most accurate quarterback with a clean pocket, and the Bengals have an improved offensive line. So mm-hmm. we've, we've got some good, we've got, we've got some things that can certainly point to um, regression toward, a, toward a, um, the mean in a good way. And we have that elite wide receiver trio. Burrow's going to be a QB1 this year. The question is, will they continue to play slow and will a possibly improved offensive line and improved defense result in them leading more and milking more leads on the ground, resulting in fewer pass attempts for Burrow? Or will they trust him more now that he's even further removed from his knee injury? And if that pass, if his pass attempts can go up by one or two per game, then we then we definitely could be looking at a top six quarterback here. I, for me, I don't see how you take the ball to Joe Burrow's hands. Like he look what he just did for you last year. I think if anything, I think the offense is going to be just as efficient. I think Joe Mixon does take a step up, which is going to be a big help. Look, if we're talking about the offense line, well, how that can also help Joe Mixon. That also means Joe Burrow is going to get cleaner pockets. That guy's also going to get more time to survey the field, which gives also T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and even Tyler Boyd time to break open some of these deeper targets. I I say you can go one of two ways. I could totally see either side. If Burrow doesn't have the same level of efficiency. He might not do what he did last year, and he could end up being in that QB 10 to QB 12 range at the end of the season. But if it hits, then we know what he could do. But I still, like I said, I just have a hard time putting him above these guys. They're going to be running the ball, but also have all the elite weapons. I could see, like I said, I could see him going to seven over top of Tom Brady, but I personally can't move him over top of someone like Kyler Murray. I think he's sitting right here in the same tier where we're kind of looking into another tier break. I think it makes a lot of sense for Joe Burrow, but if you have any questions about him, then I, I absolutely completely understand why someone would. Um, I know for you, you have Dak Prescott as your QB9, correct? That is correct. That is not who you have there, though. You're a little lower on him. I am I am a little bit lower. Uh, for me personally, I've got Matthew Stafford uh, as mine. And I think when kind of the way things kind of graded out, he ended up being next. But like I said, these guys came out so closely. Kind of pick who you like the most for the most part. Um, like the big thing for me with, with Matthew Stafford, it's, it's very difficult for him to replicate what he did last year. No question about it. Tied for his career high with 41 touchdowns, 11th in fantasy points per game, had a complete, a career high in completion rate at 67.2% uh, of his passes. For me, it's the upside of what he can bring inside this offense. It's, we saw a glimpse of it last year. I don't know if we've seen this offense working on full tilt. You've got Cooper cup. Then you have Allen Robinson, who me and you have both absolutely love. He was mentioned in our um, our Dynasty episode. We're kind of talking about a guy that we think absolutely is going to. We're going to be higher than the consensus on. I think there's still a change. You end up bringing back um, uh, Odell, Beckham. Odell Beckham Jr. onto this offense. You still have Van Jefferson. Tyler Higby still very good. You've got Cam Akers, who you know you can kind of run the ball if you need to. For me, if you're looking for the pure, I just want nothing but volume and deep balls, Matthew Stafford is your guy. I think he's not going to have like the same efficiency as other quarterbacks. That's never going to be his game. But in an offense like this under Sean McVay, this is just the perfect quarterback to run this offense. I've got him, like I said, as number nine. I'm not, you're not quite as high. Um, Like I said, why do you think, why do you have Dak Prescott ahead of Matthew Stafford in your rankings? I think that's a really good way to frame this. Uh, The reason is out of these guys that are beyond Brady and Burrow, when we're talking the, the, the last four that we're going to talk about today, out of all four of them, I think Dak has the best shot at cracking that top six. 
And I think that because specifically related to Stafford is because, like you said, almost 5,000 yards, 41 touchdowns last year, and he still averaged just 20.4 fantasy points per game. Now, while that's a fantastic season, the modern NFL sees we, – we see 10, 11 quarterbacks a year eclipse 20 fantasy points per game. So mm-hmm. I, I, need, I need more than that. Stafford's the type of guy that I'm taking because, like, okay, I know I'm going to get a low on QB1. That's what he is. He's safe. He will not fail me. Yeah. But if I want to chase that upside – Dak averaged uh, 20.7 fantasy points per game last season. That was 0.3 more than Stafford. He did that with 37.25 pass attempts per game. The Cowboys led the NFL in turnover differential. And we've Mm -hmm. already seen what happens when that defense isn't good in 2020. Dak was on pace to shatter the single-season passing yards record. He averaged 27.9 fantasy points per game in his five games before shattering his ankle. And turnovers are very, very volatile from year to year, and so is defensive performance. This defense is going to regress at least a little bit. And if it's a lot worse, this ranking may end up being really low. I know Amari Cooper is gone, and Michael Gallup is almost certainly going to miss the start of the season. He may even end up on the pup list. But volume is king here, and the Cowboys averaged 25.2 seconds per snap last season. This team plays fast. They throw the ball. I think Dak is the type of quarterback who can be fine as long as he just relies on C.D. Lamb and and then now returning to a – to minicamp Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I think I'm on the question. Like you brought the rushing upside for Dak Prescott. The question is, are we going to get a mobile Dak Prescott? Because we haven't seen that since 2019. Last season, 48 rushes for 146 yards. He was averaging just 9.1 yards per game. Now, granted, that is almost, was that quadruple what Matthew Stafford had, like two point something. So you're not getting a ton of rushing upside, I think, from either of these guys. If you can get a little bit extra, especially just inside the red zone, give me like three rushing touchdowns. That's an additional point per game automatically right there. Um, for Dak Prescott. So I think he does more than like, I think his upside, I think would be higher, but I think my concern is just the weapons around him, not having Amari Cooper. Um, I love CD lamb. He will be by far the unquestioned number one. I'm also a fan of Jalen Tolbert, uh, but we'll have to see kind of how he steps in here. And then also like the timing of Michael Gallup's ACL injury sucks because it happened late in the year, which means it's going to be a while for him to come back. I think Dalton Schultz probably ends this season. Number two in targets on this team. If your tight end is the number two in targets, unless you bring the rushing upside of like a Lamar Jackson, that's kind of hard to to figure out. And it's weird because we've we've not seen the the Dallas Cowboys in a situation where we're not as confident in their pass catchers. It's always been a team of oh my god, they have so many. It's kind of a little bit different this year. I mean, one of the, the sneaking game we've got to keep an eye on is going to be James Washington. Watching James Washington on the early part of the year, he's now out of Pittsburgh, kind of gets a chance to be a potentially a number three for the early part of the season. If he kind of can step up here and you get Jalen Tolbert kind of working in here alongside him, I think they can absolutely make a case to keep Dak Prescott inside that top 10, even push that top six potential early on in the season. But we're going to have to wait and see what happens once Michael Gallup comes back. Um, moving on there, we only got a couple names left. Uh, the next one on our list here, now this is a guy I think no one is entirely sure what the hell is going to happen. That's going to be Aaron Rodgers. What the hell is going to happen without Aaron Rodgers, with Aaron Rodgers, without Devontae Adams? He is your QB 10. For me, he came in as a QB 12. Give me your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers this year without Devontae Adams. It's kind of like a who the hell knows kind of thing because it wasn't like they got one of the premier wide receivers to come in and replace Devontae Adams either in this draft. It's so tricky with Rodgers because I, I will admit I wrote him off after the 2019 season. He had those two down years, um, 2018, 19.3 fantasy points per game, 2019, 17.3, which I do believe was the was the worst season of his entire career. And then all of a sudden, this guy in his late 30s comes back with 
uh, the second best season of his career at 24.3 fantasy points per game in 2020, wins the MVP, does it again in 2021, albeit at 21.1 fantasy points per game. And the question is, can he still do this? Uh, I, I'm not sure. His He's been fine in limited games without Devontae Adams, but like, I, I struggle to see a world where Aaron Rodgers is going to return to this being this elite quarterback. He, yeah. he was the QB eight last year at 21.1. Is he really going to do better than that? I, I'd be surprised. And if, if, if ranking him as, as the QB 10, he finishes QB eight, I won't feel bad about that at all. But if we ranked him at like QB six or seven and he finished with QB 12 or 13, that that's a problem. They, they replaced Devontae Adams with, with Sammy Watkins and rookie Chris, Christian Watson. The Packers were already one of the slowest teams in the league. They actually were the slowest team in the league last season at 31.8 seconds per snap. And Rodgers threw 37 passing touchdowns. What if Rodgers only throws like 33 this year and the team leans on the running backs more, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, and and we have Rodgers as as a a lower-volume passer who's a little less efficient because they run the ball more, then we may not even get a QB1. I think that's a very real concern with Rodgers, and it's why I'm I'm just looking to draft other quarterbacks that have uh, easier easier paths to finish higher than their ADPs and finish inside that top 10, top eight. Let me throw out a scenario and tell me how likely you think this is to happen. At the end of the 2022 season, Derek Carr finishes the season with more passing yards and touchdowns than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, likely, it's higher than zero. I, I, would, I would put that at, at 30%. Yeah. I, I actually think it might be a little higher. I think it might be a little higher because I'm actually very I'm not I'm not going out of my way to draft Derek Carr. But if I miss out on some of these high end guys and I see some guys taking like their QB two or whatever on their team, I have zero issue winding up with Derek Carr on my roster. Um he doesn't bring the rushing upside and he fell outside of our top twelve. Um but Carr brings us so much upside because like so they have one of the best offenses in terms of playmakers that can beat you on every single level of the field. It kind of hurt a little bit losing Brian Edwards, as odd as that is to say, because he was a decent vertical threat. But he took a Hunter Renfro. You bring in Devontae Adams. You've got Darren Waller on this team. Um, you got a healthy Josh Jacobs. The offensive line's in good shape. They bring in Chandler Jones to help out on the defense side of the ball to get the ball back to him. I'm a big fan of Derek Carr this year. Like I would not be surprised, like I said, if he finished ahead of Aaron Rodgers. I think it's not a slight against Aaron Rodgers. It's more pro Derek Carr kind of than anything else. Uh, just a name to kind of keep an eye on later on. Last name we'll hit on this list. This is your QB 12. For me, he came in at the QB 10. I have flip-flopped him several times between him and Matthew Stafford. This is going to be the new quarterback of the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. I, I'm i all in on the Broncos this year for the most part. We'll get to some of our other players later on. Uh, I'm in on the passing game. How about that one? Um, it's the main one for me is going to be Cortland Sutton. I think he's going to be to see the biggest boost on this team. Russell Wilson, he's not stepping into, I'm going to say, a better group of players. I think DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are a more talented group, and I'm not going to sit here and try to slight those guys. But I think the situation, he's moving into more like 21st century offense under Nathaniel Hackett and getting away from, hey, we want to run the ball under Pete Carroll. Open things up a little bit. I think the defense in a phenomenal spot. The offense is loaded with playmakers between Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, You've got Javante Williams. You bring him back in, Melvin Gordon. You've got Albert O on this team. You, you draft Greg Dolchich. I mean, it's you can go down the list of options that Russell Wilson has. I think he can, can exceed all expectations going into this year. This is a team that was a quarterback away from a Super Bowl. We've said it for years. They got their quarterback, a MVP caliber quarterback. 
Um, like I said, I've got Russ down towards the bottom part of the the QB one rankings. I think that's fair. I think he's all these guys kind of grouped together in the same tier between Dak, Roger, Stafford, and Wilson. How are your what are your thoughts on Russell's gun? I know we're both high on Cortland Sutton. We're both high on Tim Patrick. I would assume that also would mean you're probably going to be a little higher on Russell Wilson as well. I'm perfectly fine with drafting Russell Wilson. And again, it is June right now. We are not drafting our teams for at least two and a half months. Unless you're so, doing best ball and you're degenerate like I am. Right. I'm, I'm talking about for the people doing this for redraft seasonal leagues. We got two or two and a half months away. Oh, and yeah. I, I completely agree with you that we have this broken up into we have our top four, then we have our two rushers, and then we have uh, we have we have kind of Brady and Burrow by themselves, and then we have these these bottom four of the top twelve in, in Dak, Roger, Stafford, and Russ in whatever order. And the reality exactly. is, I imagine for both of us, the order of these four guys may change several times between now and the start of the season. They are all very close. And I, I draft a better value. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of how I feel is, is once we get down to these four, let's, so we get through our drafts and these four are the only guys left. I'm just going to try, I'm going to try to time it so that I'm taking, like I'm the last one to take one without missing out on one. And when it comes to Russell Wilson, I'm kind of willing to throw out last year. I've, I've said for years, I think Pete Carroll is one of the worst coaches in the NFL. I, don't, I think he's stuck in 19, the 1970s. He hamstrung Russ for his – I mean, he wasted so much of Russ's prime not letting him throw the ball. I don't understand how, like, in 2018, we had we had a Russell Wilson who who averaged uh, – trying to do the math real quick on, on the on the slot, spot here, but I'm, I'm screwing it up. I was I, told I was, there was going to be no math. You were told, you were told wrong. Uh, 26.68 past attempts per game. I mean, that is like what we want to see from Lamar Jackson. We really want to be that low in Lamar Jackson. So no. Russ needs to be throwing the ball. Uh, he should be throwing the ball 30 times per game, and I think there's a real shot that he gets the chance to do that this year in Denver, possibly even more, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Nathaniel, ha- Nathaniel Hackett coming over from Green Bay, who, who worked with Aaron Rodgers in a, in a kind of a pass-first offense. Russ averaged at least 19 fantasy points per game in six out of seven seasons prior to 2021. But last year, that went all the way down to 17.8. I think Russ is still still has a, a good five to six like a, like really strong years left in him. I'm buying the bounce back. I'd be perfectly fine if Russ ended up being the guy that I took as my QB one in that in those later rounds where uh, where I didn't take any of those uh, higher end elite guys because it would not shock me if Russ was able to kind of crack that top eight top six in, in a truly career year. Yeah, and there's that whole thing where rankings don't necessarily match projections and they never should. You never want your projections to necessarily match your rankings. But for me personally, I actually have Russ in my early run through of projections, finishing ahead of guys like Joe Burrow. I've got him up there towards like the top, the top seven. So I actually do have him ahead of where these rankings are. Like I said, once you get through your tiers, draft a better value. If you want to end up being the last one until to select the top 12 quarterback and grab Russell Wilson, the value of already added to your team will pay dividends later on down the road. But that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of the Premier Fantasy Football Podcast, powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed, if you enjoyed today's show, feel free to leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. It does greatly appreciate it and also helps the show grow and kind of reach a bigger audience. Also, continue to stay up to date with the latest news around the league by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com, where you can find all the analysis covering not only fantasy football, but breaking news around the league, college football betting, and the NFL draft. Also, it's never too late to start your mock draft for the 2023 season. Head on over to ProFootballNetwork.com slash mock draft to hop on the uh, the mock draft simulator and start running your 2023 mock draft. You can follow Jason over on Twitter at JasonCats13 and myself at TommyGarrettPFN. Speaking for Jason, I'm Tommy, and we'll see you guys on another episode of the show breaking down the running backs 
the 2022 fantasy football season.